If the Cubs continue to stay silent in free agency, they're going to need some internal growth from their major league roster. We talk about two candidates for that next. You are Locked On Cubs, your daily Chicago Cubs podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Cubs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Sam Olber. Please support the show by following on your preferred audio platform, and you could watch, subscribe, and leave a comment on YouTube. Thanks so much for making us your first listen. We are lifelong fans taking our passion into a discussion with you on all things Cubs. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. Welcome in, everybody. Merry Christmas to everyone that celebrated this past weekend. It is currently Christmas Day night for me at about 7.30 Central Time on Monday as I'm recording this. If you don't recall, Matt will not be around for a couple of weeks. We have three episodes this week, three episodes next week. Um, I will be solo for those. We'll also have Lindsey Crosby, our minor league expert, coming on at some point this week, hopefully tomorrow, to break down uh, everything minor leagues, uh, you know, when guys are going to be ready guys that make sense in trades, you know, those type of things, because he's really the best at that, uh, for today's episode, I thought it would be smart to talk about two guys. I don't want to use the word polarizing because that's way too strong, but two guys that, that have really caused the most debates, between me and listeners, fun debates, of course, throughout the offseason about, hey, is this guy really good? Should this guy be traded? All these things. So I really took the time, actually, on Christmas Day, and I took a real deep dive on Christopher Morell and Javier Assad. And, you know, if you watch the show every day, if you watched my interview with Master Boney, you know, I tend to lean old school when it comes to old school versus analytics. However, Analytics, where it really has its place in the game of baseball, is when you're trying to project future performance and predict future performance because you're not just looking at the numbers in the game of baseball because the numbers can be luck-based. So you take what you see and, and, and you you dive into the rate stats, the savant pages, and I'm going to talk about all these stats and do, do the best I can to explain them, and you use those to try and predict what you're going to get in the future. So I really took a deep dive. I spent about an hour plus on both these guys today. And, and you know, I want to start with Christopher Morell. Can Christopher Morell be the guy that a lot of people think he can be and, and take a major leap in 2024 and be a mainstay power bat in the lineup? And I have to admit, you know, I, I have come across, I would say, more on the negative side for Christopher Morell. And, you know, I, I don't think that means I don't like him as a player, didn't like him as a player, but I wasn't. You know, I wasn't totally against putting him in a trade for Glass now. When you look at what Glass now, you know, what the Dodgers had to give up to get Glass now, I'm still not totally against putting him in a trade if that's what it takes. But I will say, after doing this deep dive, I did learn a little bit more than I thought. And, and I feel a lot better, not a lot better, but marginally better about Christopher Morrell's floor. I think we all agree Christopher Morrell is a massive ceiling. I mean, he has tons of power, tons of raw talent, tons of athleticism. 
but you know, we're all concerned about his floor because he swings and misses so much. He strikes out a lot. And we've seen in the past with a certain uh, uh, magician shortstop that now plays in Detroit, that that's very hard to sustain year to year when you swing and miss at that rate. But, but I took a dive, a deep dive into the rate stats, and I, and I have some interesting findings about Christopher Morrell, and, and I, I do feel a little bit better about him, and I'd like to share those with you. So with Christopher Morrell, I think we always compare him to Javier Baez, as I said, because he strikes out a lot, he swings and misses a lot. But the, the big difference that I saw that I didn't realize you know, when I was taking the deep dive today, and, I, and if I say deep dive one more time, I think I'm going to cancel the show. I, I think of a new phrase, you know, an experiment, a look. You know, I, I feels like I'm, I'm talking about, you know, swimming on this show. But anyways, chase rate. What chase rate means is the percentage of balls that you swing at outside the zone that are not strikes. Javier Baez is famous for chase rate. He has the worst chase rate in the major leagues. He swings at everything. If you throw the rosin bag up there, he's going to swing at it. Christopher Morrell has pretty close to a league average chase rate, just slightly below, meaning he takes balls that are out of the zone. Christopher Morrell's chase rate, and I know this is a little bit of a nerdy episode, but just bear with me here, is about 29%. Javier Baez, 44%. So when we talk about, hey, Christopher Morrell is a free swinger. That's not true. He's not a free swinger. He actually has a league average walk rate, at least in 2023, and not a terrible chase rate. Where Christopher Morrell gets in trouble is the whiff rate. That's the percentage of pitches you swing and miss on. His is 37%, and Javier Baez is actually lower at 32%. So what does this all mean? This means that Christopher Morrell does a decent job taking balls out of the zone. A lot of his swing and miss is coming from in the zone, in-zone swing and miss. So his big project this offseason is to figure out a way to eliminate swinging and missing in the zone, or at least you're not going to eliminate it, but at least shrinking his in-zone swing and miss rate without, and this is the key, without compromising all the other things he's terrific at because Christopher Morrell has terrific power, right? He has terrific, you know, just tools in general. He could, he could take you out of any ballpark. Um, he's a great mistake hitter. If you do throw a spinner in the zone and you hang it to him, he's very, very dangerous. But, you know, I, I kind of compare it to Ian Happ. Ian Happ always had that hole up in the zone when he was first becoming a big leaguer, that swing and miss at that elevated fastball. Ian Happ has literally eliminated that weakness, but he's created another weakness because in doing so, he changed his swing path, and now he hits a lot more ground balls, and he, he lost some of his power and, and things like that. So you don't want to solve a problem by creating a problem, but I just think that Christopher Morrell's floor might be a little bit higher than I realized and maybe some other realizes because it's really not a free swinging problem. It's just he has a massive swing and he's going to get beat a lot in the zone. If he could find a way maybe to just shorten up a tad, just shorten up a tad to make more contact in the zone without compromising his power because he has so much natural power. Does he even need to swing that hard? Does he even need to have that vicious of a swing to take people out of Wrigley Field? You know, you might have a player that can put it all together. And, and, and I'm feeling a lot better about that. And another thing that was interesting about 
my experiment today is on this Savant page. and Everybody can, has access to these numbers. All you do is go to Christopher Morell Savant on Google, open it up, and you have access to all these numbers. The, the player comparison or the similarity scores for 2023 were, for Christopher Morell, were Luis Robert, who is, I would, I would say, is a star, and Giancarlo Stanton, who had a very down year last year. But you could see the type of player he is you know, compared to one of those all or nothing guys, those guys are great mistake hitters with tons of power. Um, another guy I would like to throw out there for Morel has been Adolis Garcia, who just won a World Series with Texas. They're going to have some ugly at bats. They're going to swing and miss a lot sometimes. But man, if you make a mistake to them, they're going to make you pay. And, you know, as, as much as I have been maybe on the negative side of Morel, there is a lot of value in that. Where I go negative on Morel is two things. Number one, is it's just so hard to project year to year what a player like Morell is going to do when he swings and misses that much. And that's why he has to shrink it a little bit. You know, Javier Baez is the best example. In 2018, he finished second to Christian Yelich in the MVP. Then he had a decent start to 2019. He injured his heel, and he just never has been the same player. And, and, and it falls fast because – you know, we always talk on this show about floors and ceilings. Floor being what's the worst case for you and what's the best case. And when you're such a, you know, a, a swing and miss guy, your worst case is really dangerous. So, you know, my big conclusion with Morell is better than I thought floor wise. He has a pretty decent eye, average walk rate. Can he just, the question is offensively, can he just find a way to make more contact in the zone? So he avoids those swing and miss. That whiff rate comes down a little bit because when he puts the ball in play, he does tons of damage. And if he can continue to you know, improve in that area, he's young, he's raw, he could be a dominant offensive player in this league. Obviously, the second concern with Morrell is just where does he play on defense? You know, Luis Robert, he was compared to. Luis Robert's a star center fielder. Giancarlo Stanton's a DH. What is Christopher Morrell defensively? He has a phenomenal arm. He is one of the best arms in all the big leagues, especially for an infielder. He has very good speed. So why hasn't he been able to find a position yet? Dansby Swanson doesn't have a good arm. Dansby Swanson has very average speed, but he is arguably the best defensive shortstop in the game because there's just – you have to have that it factor, that baseball player in you. You know, that's me going back to being a little old school. doesn't matter what the numbers say. You have to be able to play the game. You have to have that clock in your head. Those are things Christopher Morrell has to get better on as well. So, you know, going into 2024, assuming he's still a Chicago Cub, can you shrink that in-zone whiff, whiff rate? And can you find a way to play a position at least at a league average level? But I will say um, I do feel a little bit better about Christopher Morrell and his potential floor than I did going into uh, this episode and the research uh, for this episode. Coming up next, I'm going to talk about a guy, Javier Assad, that I do not, that I do not feel as good about projecting in the future. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL season is almost over, believe it or not. I remember when we started reading this ad and it was the very beginning part of the NFL season. FanDuel is America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket. That's now prorated as the year is about to end. 
The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. The Chicago Bears beat and covered against the Arizona Cardinals on Christmas Eve afternoon, but I don't think that matters. I don't think Justin Fields is going to be back, and I don't think Matt Eberflus is going to be back. So we'll see what happens there. Please visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of Locked On Podcast Network and the National Football League. We are back here on Locked On Cubs, and I want to talk about one more player, and that's Javier Assad. And I had my doubts about Javier Assad all year, very simple, and they were confirmed uh, when I was really looking at his peripherals and rate stats today. This is not to say that Javier Assad is not an effective and cannot be an effective major league pitcher. The point is, is why I want the Cubs to be so active in free agency and trades is I just don't think it's very serious if Javier Assad starts the season in the starting rotation. And I know what you guys are saying. Sam, he had a 3.05 ERA last year and was probably the most reliable pitcher for the Cubs down the stretch. 100%. And Javier Assad might just be one of those old school guys that you have to ignore what the analytics say. And he's just somebody that knows how to get big outs. And I'm fine with that. But when you really dive into the numbers, you can't ignore this. Javier Assad had an expected ERA in 2023 of 4.64, almost two runs higher than his actual ERA. Why is that? Because he gets no strikeouts. He gets no whiffs, and and what's troubling is is he walks a lot of guys. So basically, he's just walking the tightrope every inning. He also gave up a, a, a good amount of barrels. Where he was able to have success is his average exit velocity against. He gave up weak contact, which was huge, and he got a boatload of ground balls. And when you get weak contact and you give up a boatload of ground balls, you're going to have success, especially behind with this fantastic infield defense that Javier Assad has behind him. But how many times have we come on this show and talked about Kyle Hendricks, man, he did his job today, broke a ton of bats, got weak contact, the ball's just found grass. The Cubs have too many of those guys. Javier Assad should be used as a swingman out of the bullpen, an emergency starter if a guy gets injured, and it's totally fine. I could see Javier Assad pitching even better than he did last year, just with dramatically worse results because baseball is a game of luck. You know, a ground ball here, an infield hit here, then you hang a pitch and it's 3 nothing before you could even, you know, settle into the game. All the numbers, if you go on Javier Assad's Savant page, besides a couple, tell you he was not a great pitcher last year. Now, again, maybe he's just one of those guys, but I just think that, Jed, Carter Hawkins, Hadavi, Council, they're all smart. I think they know they can't go into the season with him as an integral part of that starting rotation because of that. You know, Tyone doesn't get tons of whiffs. Hendricks doesn't get many. Steele's obviously the top guy, but you need more. You, you can't just go in in today's major leagues and just pitch the contact. And that's the thing with Assad. He actually walked a good amount of guys last year. Like, his season was one of the most fortunate analytically seasons of any pitcher. Now, again, maybe Javier Saad's just clutch and he bears down in big moments. I am never going to be the guy to say he's not that. 
And I'm not saying he's a bad pitcher, but I'm just saying I would feel much more comfortable with Javier Assad as our sixth guy. Hey, you know what? It's 5-5, wind's blowing out at Wrigley in the fourth inning. Hendricks doesn't have it tonight. Let's go to Assad and see how far he can take us type of guy versus, hey, Javier Assad starting the fourth game of the season. I just think it's it's a much smarter plan and you know you you can't ignore you can ignore certain things when it comes to to these analytics and rate stats but this one is so obvious I, I just think he's due for some bad luck and he's due for a little bit of regression I'm hope I'm I hope I'm wrong I hope that you know he gets his chance I'm not saying I don't want him on the club I'm just saying my guess is not, not a whole lot of teams were interested in Javier Assad um, in trade conversations because of the type of things you know I saw today and have seen all year. Um, but overall, Christopher Morrell, Javier Assad, two guys I think that spur a lot of debate about their past performance because they're both guys that I think were a little bit under the radar guys that came out and had tons of success. Morrell, his rookie year, and then last year, and then Javier Assad bursted on the scene down the stretch. The purpose of this episode was just to kind of break down what's underneath the curtain and to say, all right, I think Christopher Morrell does have an opportunity to be an everyday major, major contributor. And, and we all know the ceiling and the floor really isn't as bad as I thought. Assad, I'm a little bit nervous about. And that's more reason, obviously, you know, why I want the Cubs to make some trades, make some acquisitions, ask Lindsey Crosby, when is Ben Brown going to be ready or is he going to be ready? When is Cade Horton going to be ready? Do you think Jordan Wicks is a guy that could start the first, you know, one of the first five games of the season? Because I just don't, I don't think you go into the year going, boom, Assad's a four. So we'll see. These guys, some of these guys, Assad, Wicks, Morrell, Madrigal, Mastroboni, um, Amaya, these guys, if the Cubs continue to stay quiet in free agency, some of these guys are going to have to take big leaps forward. Last year, it was Talkman who took a huge leap forward. Morrell obviously had some big games. You know, uh, um, Amaya was a contributor at times. Madrigal w- was good at times. Those guys are going to have to continue to grow and and surprise people around the league if the Cubs are going to be successful without making any free agency moves. Uh, we're going to wrap up the show next with a quick look around Major League Baseball. We are back here on Locked On Cubs, and I just wanted to report on Christmas Eve, the hot stove got cooking a little bit with Mitch Garver uh, signing a two-year, $24 million deal with the Mariners. I know that's probably not significant to you, and we never really talked much about Mitch Garver on this show, but I always thought he made a little bit of sense for the Cubs. I understand why it wouldn't, because he's primarily a catcher with limited first base experience and primarily is a DH slash catcher, but he's a guy that has power. Cubs need that. And he's a guy that can DH and play a little first base. And man, the cost was very, very affordable. It's just two years, $24 million for Mitch Garver. If you want to take a little bit of a bright spot out of that, with the Gurriel Jr. Uh, contract in Arizona that was three years, $42 million, and now Mitch Garver, two years, 24 that second tier of bats, because we've all talked about the Cubs have to add t- two bats, you know, one primary guy like a Bellinger or Chapman, um, type of guy. And then a second tier guy, you know, a Reese Hoskins, a Mitch Garver, one of those types, that second tier tier section seems to be very affordable. And I was thinking to myself, you know, when I was prepping for the show today, who would you rather have on your team? This is a, a, a an interesting question. And I'm not talking about, you know, I know they play different positions, but I'm saying if you're a GM and you could say, let's say you have 
you don't have your team filled out yet. You, you, you need outfield help and you need first base help. Who would you rather have? Lourdes, Gurriel Jr. or Reese Hoskins? It's an interesting question. It's food for thought, right? You know, Hoskins has more power and more upside offensively, but Gurriel is a very good, solid defender. He was worth three wins above replacement last year. The point is, I think it's actually kind of a conversation. Um, and Gurriel got three years, $42 million. So I'm very interested why Reese Hoskins wouldn't want a one-year or at, at at the most a team, uh, you know, a player option for a second year to go prove that he's better than that. Because there's no way that Reese Hoskins, if he were to sign a multi-year deal with somebody, would be anything more than three years 50. Why would you want to go get three years 50 when you can go get one year 17, 18 from the Cubs, prove yourself that you're worth more than that, and then go sign maybe a $100 million contract if you hit 37, 38 homers somewhere else? Just, just those type of things you have to think about with the market. So I guess what I'm trying to say is I think those contracts bode well for the Cubs and their you know, ambition to get a second tier bat at an affordable price. Maybe the, the market is coming down and Jed will be able to make a move hopefully sooner rather than later. And we hope it's sooner rather than later because coming up pretty soon, Wednesday, January 10th at the Arcata Theater at Saint, in St. Charles, Matt and I will be live. We will be live. It's a great it's a great gift. Uh, I, I used it as a gift in my grab bag last night. I'm, you know, hanging out with some friends for Christmas Eve, and and people love the gift. It was a it was a top hit. You know, there's the Taylor Swift concerts. There's there's all these tours, but that's a a major gift right there. You know, it's a great date night if you want to get out on a Wednesday night, change up the weekly routine a little bit. Come check us out live, uh, January 10th um, at the Arcata Theater, and then of course. You can't make that one Wednesday, February 7th in Displains. Um, hope you guys enjoyed this show. Christopher Morell, Javier Assad, you know, how are they going to be in 2024? I think morell has got a chance, man. I, I, I've been down on him. People have wanted to convince me saying I'm way too down on him. I'm, I'm going to let it, I'm going to let it be. Let's see if he can hit 258 to 260, get that on base in the 320, 330 range, slug in the mid fives, OPS healthy in the mid eights, hit 35 plus home runs and find a way to play a position and, and, and help us uh, win the NL Central. Uh, excited to catch you guys uh, the rest of this week. And once again, I wish everybody listening a very Merry Christmas. Shout out to the everydayers who are with us all five episodes throughout the week. And you can become an everydayer by checking us out each and every weekday. Be sure to hit that subscribe button for Locked On Cubs on YouTube and smash the like button for the algorithm. We're also on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts and streaming on SiriusXM. I'm Sam Olber, and this is Locked On Cubs.